Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Your Voice First podcast. If you'd like to learn more, find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and every other social platform at Voice First AI. Here at Project Voice with Paul Hickey, CEO and founder of Data Driven Design. Yeah. Paul, hey. thank you for joining us. Pat, it's my pleasure. I'm having a blast and I'm really I've been excited to sit down with you all week, so love that we're doing this. Data Driven Design, I first was introduced to with your Nashville Voice Conference last year because one of our team members, Dawn, who runs our voice dry cleaning unit, was in attendance. She said, Paul knows everything. <laughs> Amazing event, great collaborators and partners there. So for people who aren't aware of data-driven design, can you give us kind of an overview of what data-driven design does? Yeah, absolutely. So we provide three main buckets of services, digital marketing, web design and development, and custom software. And we're called data-driven design because the small business owner or the mid-sized level marketer doesn't have a whole lot of time and they have like limited resources, right? And so if we can use data to help them make decisions rather than getting in a room and throwing around a bunch of opinions, then we can be more efficient and effective and use data-driven insights to help show them where to go next, then we can be very effective as a service provider. So the way voice comes into all this is because about three years ago, we started seeing a lot of data around people getting their information on um, smart speakers and voice assistants. And so we started saying, okay, how can small businesses and mid-level businesses meet the audience where they are and how can they build a presence on top of these devices enter flash briefings alexa skills google actions other voice-based apps so we've weaved all of that into our service offering it actually spans perfectly between content creation web design and development which we can talk a little bit about later and then software of course because you've got this the coding component to some of the voice apps and i've loved that philosophy and i saw it in practice this morning when we were with mercedes and the first thing that came, well, I feel like the first thing I heard that came out of your mouth was, can we see data? Yeah. Can, can we see this so that way, I think your web URL is like data over opinions, right? Yeah, dataoveropinions.com. Love that. Everything <laughs> needs to be data and numbers focused because they're, especially in voice where there's so much hype and there's so much attention, for you to bring this conscious energy around, let's give some science to what could just be art and design. You're bringing yeah. a level of science that I think is lacking. So I think that you're filling in a niche, which up until now has remained relatively untapped. How has data-driven design been going now that you guys have added this, this service of voice? The voice, it's better than ever because um, voice from a business standpoint for us um, gives us a huge differentiator over other web design firms. I mean, the reality is that when I started data-driven design about four years ago, the reality is like there's competition out there for web design and development. You've got Wix, you've got Squarespace, you've got people that are ambitious in building their own WordPress sites. You've got Shopify, you know, for e-commerce merchants. You don't really need web developers, to be honest, and I'm a web developer telling you that. Interesting. And so with voice, it's another strategic component to your overall marketing or operations, and I can give you some examples of those later, but it's an overall strategic component to just growing your business. And so voice gives us a differentiator. Um, people will want to save time. They will hire a web developer because they'll realize that they can't do it all themselves. And when you can add voice into that, mm -hmm. aka for those of you out there who kind of are trying to follow what I mean by voice, what I mean by voice is as a small business or any kind of business, how can you have a presence on top of Alexa or Google 
uh, Google Assistant. And so we give them that, and when they can come to a web design firm who can also give them that versus a web design firm that's only, like you were saying, maybe focused on the, the art, artistic nature of the website to each their own, but that's not necessarily us. And so it's really, it's really helped us bring on the right people to work with from a client standpoint. Walking up here, I saw you guys had a WordPress plugin. Yes. I didn't even realize that you guys had that component until I <laughs> literally just read it on here. Can we talk about that? Yes, I'd love to. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Give me give me some insight. You, you guys have a WordPress plugin. I guess anybody can use it. Yes, anybody can use it. You can go to thevoicedesigner.com, download our plugin. Or if you have a WordPress site and you know how to search for a plugin through the back end of your WordPress site, you can search the Voice Designer and install it. Install it for free. What it does is it allows you to build a voice-based app from the back end of your WordPress site and test it and then deploy it to both Alexa and Google Assistant. So our thought there was, kind of what I just told you, is you've got to give businesses the ability to save time. And when we've talked about voice as a collective community, we talk about saving the use, the end user time. Yep. We talk about reducing friction for the end user. Mm -hmm. But what the voice designer does is for any developer or business owner or content marketer that has a WordPress site, it saves them time because they don't have to go to another platform to build a voice app. They can now build it directly from the back end of their WordPress site, test it and deploy it live and have an Alexa skill and a Google app that's managed in the same spot in which their website is managed. And I feel like it's the perfect integration too because people who are using WordPress are probably the people who are saying, I don't necessarily want to pay a web designer. I'm going to do my website myself. And you've latched onto that to say, okay, you're already doing that with your WordPress. You probably want to have the same mentality with your voice. So let's give them something easily and quickly that they can do themselves. And then if they want something more advanced, You've already built up that rapport with them where they're going to be more likely to come back for you. Like in the same way that once they go to WordPress, they're going to realize how overwhelming doing WordPress is on their own. Yes. <laughs> and then they're going to hire someone else to do their WordPress yeah. for them. So my whole content strategy is, you know, sh help show people how to do things themselves. And then that has really been a great business development strategy because then they trust me to come back to and help them implement it. When, if and when they decide they don't want to do it themselves or they don't have time to do it themselves. And then for those, of, for, you know, for those people that want to do it themselves, I want to empower them as well. So the voice designer does that. And then hopefully like the content, the do-it-yourself content at dataoveropinions.com helps them do it as well. So. Question coming from a place of curiosity. Yeah. This morning you asked the Mercedes if, if they were putting out any data. Are you guys putting out data for, for people to see kind of how yeah. you guys are succeeding and like providing back to the community openly? Yeah, so we want to do that with voice for sure because we're in a position, especially with the voice designer, but also just building. We've built several voice apps using voice flow, using engage by voice, other people that are here that you know. Wow. And so we're not just about the voice designer. We're about contributing back to the community. And the number one way we can do that, to your point, is by providing data around, okay, if somebody builds an Alexa skill and a Google action at the same time using the voice designer, uh, what, are the, what are the overall amount of um, use cases on various platforms against each other? Hmm. So in the web design and digital marketing world, we've put out what's called our data download, which is where we'll look at things like how should you design um, the most optimized website based on data? What should your mobile website look like based on data? So to give you an idea, 
We, we have access to over about 500 Google Analytics accounts just through our web design and digital marketing work. So a few years ago, we said we're going to aggregate all that data, contribute to the community by saying, if you read this white paper, basically. So we want to incorporate voice into that, for sure. Wow. <clears throat> I love that. Thank you. Can we talk about the Nashville Voice Conference? Yes, now? please. So, so shifting into Nashville Voice Conference, was last year the first one? It was. Okay. So... How did you get the idea to do a voice conference? Let, let's just start there. How did okay. you get an idea to do your own voice conference? <clears throat> yeah, so <clears throat> two things. Number one, uh, we've always had fun. Our team has always had fun getting like 10 to 15 people in a room and teaching them something related to digital marketing or web design. So, for example, <clears throat> how do I set up Facebook Business Manager, mm -hmm. right? How do I run a Google AdWords campaign? Um, how do I even, what do I even look for in Google Analytics? <clears throat> and then how do I create content on a, on a daily or weekly basis? So we called that the Data-Driven Academy, and we did that from basically all of 2016, 2017, and 2018. And that was like a group, 10 to 15 people in a room at a time, usually about two or three times a month, looking at like VPs of marketing, small business owners. And so when it came time for 2019, I said, what can I do this year that's similar but also has a little bit of a different twist. Now, voice was something that I was extremely excited to introduce to that audience. And rather than do a bunch of different data-driven academies in 2019 and beyond, I said, let's do one conference, let's make it around voice, but let's have the same audience. Let's have the small business owners, the VPs of marketing, that don't have a lot of time to do all these different things that they need to do. And so that's how it was born, and it basically just started um, by me reaching out to my contacts. Uh, it gained a lot of momentum from some podcast interviews I did from some people in the voice space. And yeah, we had over 70 people um, pay and attend in uh, 2019. And then on August 7th, 2020, we're going to have Nashville Voice Conference 2020. And... Uh, Early bird registration is open, so you can go to NashvilleVoiceConference.com and register now. It's going to be way better than it was last year. And if you sign up now, you're going to get a discount, you're going to get locked in now. You're going to get a discount, and not to be too salesy, but we're going to give away uh, an Echo Show 5 to somebody who signs up this week, the week of Project Voice. Um, so if anyone out there really wants to be the early bird and get incentivized for it, we really want to hook you up and provide a lot of value. So, the Echo Show Five is like my favorite. I've got a lot of devices. I think it's my You've favorite device. You've got one sitting right over there. It's it's great because you have the screen, mm -hmm. but it's not as massive as the yeah. Echo Show. Like I have one of those in my kitchen, and it's great for the sound. But trying to take it on trips like this, it get it gets a little harder when you're trying to fit it in a bag and then get on a plane to get over here. Yeah, for sure. Like, the Echo Show Five is much smaller. You've been aligning well with partners. Like at, at your Nashville Voice Conference, you had Engage from SurveyLand. Yep. You had Bradley who runs this. Yep. Like You really did pick a lot of good players to bring in and say, look, I'm not the smartest. Well, you yeah. may be saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for you. But like, let's bring smart people that. into the room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, not the smartest. Let's put smart people in the room. And you picked very smart people. And then let's work together to give this information to the CTOs, the technical people. Yeah. That way we can just accelerate this because yeah. voice is so exciting, but it needs the adoption. It needs those people. And I feel like you are doing a great job of putting everybody in the room. Like, who are the teachers that uh, we can have teach? And then who are, like, who are the people we need to teach? Like, if yeah. we could teach any students, who are they going to be that's going to have the biggest impact? Yeah. And it's, like, it's almost like the 80-20 rule 
in in practice. It's like yeah. you can't you could invite thousands of people like you get here. Yeah. How about let's focus on the the twenty percent that are really doing eighty percent of the work. Let's get them in the room yeah. and then let's do it. So for people that are interested in being a part of that, going to the website again. Yeah, NashvilleVoiceConference.com. So the difference, the, the real difference between Project Voice and the Nashville Voice Conference is the audience. Mm -hmm. So I feel like everyone at Project Voice knows voice very well. And I feel like everyone at the Nashville Voice Conference knows nothing about voice, but wants to incorporate it in their business. Hmm. And so what you just said, I appreciate you saying it because what I was trying to do and what I'm trying to do again this year is bring those two conferences, like the experts from Project Voice, to the people who know nothing about voice in the audience, and marry the two together so that they can, the people in the audience can just get started incorporating voice into their business. Because I know the people, the experts in voice personally, and they're great people, and they want that for everyone, to your point. They want to get this thing going and mainstream solely for no other reason than like it just helps improve people's lives it saves people time builds efficiency and so i'm excited about the nashville voice conference again so really the punchline there pat is don't be intimidated by attending the nashville voice conference if you know nothing about voice that's actually more of a reason to come than to stay away from it the last subject i'd like to discuss is your use of social media okay because I feel that you are an expert in it. I try <laughs> I try pretty hard, and I feel like watching you, I feel like you're doing amazing, and I admire it. So I would like to pick your brain a little sure, bit, if that's you. okay. Yeah, yeah. So you focus on putting out social content on the majority of the platforms. I feel yep. like I see your content on YouTube. I've also seen you talk on you on Instagram, yep. talking about your TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and then it all kind of wraps together, and it's like, wow, you're able to do it a lot. You're able to integrate it cohesively, but you're also still, you're the CEO, and you're running yeah. this. First question, like, how do you find this balance between producing content and, like, doing the content versus executing on what needs to be done for the business, handling the clients, handling yeah. the sales? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only way I've been able to do that is to truly focus on the content strategy being what's happening in the business. So I've made, I've only been able to make that much content and put it out there because I've decided what I want to talk about and what I want to talk about is the stuff that I'm actually doing every day. So a good example of that is um, I'm working on building a skill for the Echo Show 5 for a client. And as part of that, I'm learning Alexa presentation language. And I'm learning Yo. how to do... Yeah, right. And so what better way to create content than to do a how-to video on APL and then do a how-to video on how to do this one thing in it and then do a how-to video on how to test it and then how to do a how-to... And, so, and you can do that a million times over with WordPress. So it's, it's super niche content. It's super micro. But what's happened is... Um, like a good example on the web design and development side of things, I just got a notification from a client today saying, thank you so much for launching our new website. And he literally put, the de dear data-driven design team, the website looks great. However, what I'm most happy with is the problem that you solved for me. And it was because of one of Paul's videos on this really, really niche thing. And I'll just share with you what it was. So like it's... Uh, Sometimes if your website gets hacked, it's actually really easy to fix it. 
but Google will show a this website may have been hacked message on the search results page, which becomes like a huge emergency for the business, right? Yes. And so it's a step-by-step process of clearing out the malware, clearing out the bad files, and then just resubmitting it through Google Search Console. No one else is really putting out content about that kind of a niche thing. And so many business owners would be like, well, yeah, but if I put out content around like this really, really small thing that I did today, no one's going to care. No one's going to watch it. So for me, it works for me because it doesn't matter how many likes or comments I get about it. It matters that that one business owner saw the, the problem that I solved for literally one other business owner yep. and said, I've got that problem. Yep. And now, you know, maybe it's $5,000 in revenue later like that one piece of content more than paid for itself because of that five thousand dollar project that i solved to to solve the problem for that business owner so does that make sense so there's a long-winded answer but like that's how i do that's how that's the only reason why i'm able to actually do all that content put it out everywhere and run the business because then if i hire a new employee i can actually show them that video and it kind of trains them also so it's like helping with operations and marketing at the same time yes I what I'm hearing from your philosophy is you you have this philosophy of I don't need to appeal to the masses I need to appeal to a select group of people and then by having a very clear person I am trying to help this individual yeah I'm trying to help this guy and usually it's yourself that you're trying to help exactly and then by doing that you're providing content that is valuable for others yeah and even if it's not a massive audience it's paying, it has massive return on investment for you as a company. Absolutely. And Absolutely. then it seems like an ancillary benefit is every once in a while, one of them does blow up yeah. for the mainstream and you do hit something that the mainstream cares about. And then it's like, that's not the goal, yeah. but it's a side benefit. So for you, focusing on all that social, do you have a specific strategy? Like what, what platforms yeah. would you consider that you post on in 2020? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. So I'm definitely going to continue to create content every day. I'm going to try to get more strategic about what the topic is because I do think I get a little bit too into what the one problem is that I was trying to solve and then I get too excited about that. But I let... <laughs> I. I also, there's no, like, I'd rather put it out there and see how well it does and then have the data from that, you yep. know, to be strategic. So YouTube, I mean, is is probably the number one because, he, and he, so here's the formula that I've, that I've used. Do a YouTube video of your content first. Post it on YouTube, obviously. Um, upload that same video file to LinkedIn, personal profile, and to your LinkedIn business page. You can also put that on IGTV if it's less than 10 minutes. So right there, you've hit all of those platforms. Mm -hmm. If you've got your IGTV connected to your Facebook business page, you can deploy it to both places at the same time. So now you've hit Facebook. Um, Transcribe the audio into a blog. Post that onto your blog, your website, with the YouTube video, video embedded. Take the audio from the video, make that your podcast. And then post the blog with the YouTube video embedded into a LinkedIn blog and a medium.com blog. And then the newest thing that I've added to it that you mentioned is the TikTok. So I've been taking my IGTV video, YouTube video, it's the same piece of content. And I've been taking 15 seconds of it. And this is where it's really challenging. Take 15 seconds of it as like, this is what the problem was that I was going to solve. This is how I solved it. And put that on TikTok. And so so basically what I'm doing is I'm creating one piece of content and then deploying it to all of those That's platforms. That's genius. 
That's genius. So you're running a tech company. What, what would you call it a tech company? I would, uh, yeah, I would call it like a, a digital agency startup. Digital agent, you running that produce one piece of content and then you have all of your marketing. Right. But you start with YouTube. Other people might start with the Instagram yeah. first yeah. and they might disseminate it to And there's platforms. no right or wrong way. It's really just a mental, it's really just a mindset that I'm starting with YouTube. Starting with a video knowing before I even create the video that it's it's actually a written blog, a podcast, and a video. It makes you very conscious of the words that you're saying knowing it that it's going to be transcribed into a, a blog post. It does. I like that a lot. Would you say that you follow that with, with everything? Is that like, this Since, is the framework and I am going to... Like, yep. Or do yep. you find like, okay, I'm, this is going to be an Instagram post. Well, This is going to be a LinkedIn. One, this is going to be a tweet. Or is it always like one piece of content? Yeah. That's it done for the day yeah so like okay 2017 was basically like all experiment i didn't really know what i was doing i just wanted to put it out there experimentation that really got me into a mindset of whatever i do is gonna work don't beat yourself up about it don't overthink it 2018 is when it really clicked into the formula that i just described where i can improvise from that formula every once in a while and it actually works better when you have the formula you stay religiously dedicated to the formula and then you improvise is just a blog post about something more personal to me so for example i stayed dedicated to the formula that i described through all of 2019 but at the end of 2019 i wrote a blog it happened to be halloween halloween's the day that i filed for my llc for data-driven design oh wow so i wrote a blog post with no video no imagery or anything like that just about like what that meant to me and it went just on the website and then out in an email blast to my email audience yep and that was it and that actually got like the re the replies to that email and then the re and the responses to that blog were huge so that that was the really the one time that i veered from the formula and it was just, it was just a totally different thing it was like this is what my business means to me um versus like this is how to solve this one particular weird problem that you might be having in Google Analytics, WordPress, or now Alexa uh, Developer Console and, and Google Google Actions Console. So, I'm sure we're going to collaborate more, but for people who are listening to this podcast or who are walking around Project Voice right now, if they want to follow what you're doing or if they want to interact with you, what would you say the best way is for someone to start following Data Driven Design and Paul Hickey? So dataoveropinions.com is a great place to go. You can opt in to receive the data-driven daily tip in your inbox every Friday. But I got to give you props, Pat, because you've been tagging me on Instagram. And every time, you know, you must have an amazing Instagram audience because every time you've done that, I've seen a little jump in my, my followers. So I appreciate that. At data-driven design on Instagram, I think is another great place to find me. And then from there, I mean, you can email me at paul at data-driven.design. I'm happy to help any of you with any kind of problems you might be having with your, your tech stack. Very much respect you. Admire the work that you're doing. Think of you as a mentor. Thank you for joining me today, Paul. Thanks, Pat. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Your Voice First podcast. If you'd like to learn more, find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and every other social platform at VoiceFirstAI. I'm here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Project Voice with Julie Daniel Davis. 
educator at Chattanooga Christian Schools. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I heard you were given a session or maybe multiple sessions. Am I right? You've, been, yes. you've actually had a pretty big role here at Project Voice. I have. Um, it's the first year ever for us to have an educational bent towards this event. So I had three sessions, um, one on um, using Alexa in the classroom with English language learners. Another one was with just podcasting in this new age. And most recently, just what that looks like using voice in the classroom. I'm very curious of how you have been using voice in the classroom or what your thoughts are. So for any educator that's listening to this, what would you have to say about how you have been applying or what kind of experiences could you share? Yeah, I think the first thing that any educator needs to think about is student privacy. So you've got to set up the device in a way that protects your students' data. But once you get that set up, it gives you the ability to use it as a teacher assistant in the classroom. So um, let's say a teacher's teaching in the front of the room. She can have students around the device and you can have a skill enabled or using Alexa blueprints, for instance, you can create skills that are personalized just for what's happening in your classroom. Mm. How have, let's, let's talk first parents. Mm-hmm. How have parents been reacting to you integrating this kind of technology within the classroom? Have they welcomed it with open arms or have parents kind of been reluctant to for you to integrate this yeah you know i was really expecting some reluctancy from parents but i think um we i we happen to live in a in a district that's pretty innovative as a rule and so they've been really open to what we're doing with it we are we've shared it with them as a pilot program you know here's what we're hoping to see really no pushback whatsoever so you've really you live in an innovation hub having project voice here the public schools well not even the public schools but the schools are adopting this technology Mm -hmm. no pushback so now switching it parents aren't the ones slowing this down teachers are adopting it how are the students how have they been feeling about having this technology in the class yeah um students seem to like it uh they get to a point in the beginning it's a novelty and you have to get over that aspect of it because they want to ask it stupid questions and things like that but once they get used to it just being uh, seen as a learning tool they're very uh, adapted to it the the big thing is just remembering it's there so Mm -hmm. that you can use it as you need to use it but the big pushback in education is really with it leaders making sure that their their concern is is it does it follow student privacy issues? So you have to explain that to your IT directors in your districts. So for other educators that are hearing what you're saying, who are also in innovation school districts, mm-hmm. what would you say is the easiest way for them to integrate it? Like a use case within the classroom, is it... Right. What, what would you say? So immediately, I would suggest flash briefings. Um, that hmm. can allow a teacher, while you're taking role in the morning, you can have your Alexa, for instance, be telling the students what the expectations are for the day, things they need to know, and that can actually even be shared with hmm. the um, families at home so they can sit around the breakfast table, hear what's going to happen in class, and so it gives the parents some ownership in what's going on in the school day. Going into your specific use case, you've already been able to establish it. You've gotten through the, well, you're working with the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. How are you trying to expand? What would you say looking into 2020? Are are you happy with the role right now? Are you working to expand the presence of voice? How would you say your relationship with this technology is changing in 2020? Yeah, what I'd really like to see, I do believe it's getting less quirky. So I think people are using it more and more because it is less quirky. That being said, I would, I'm looking forward to interoperability so that if a 
family has a Google Assistant or an Amazon Alexa, they can still access either skill or action at either place. So that, that doesn't add more on, on the teacher to create multiple platforms. So I'm, I'm hoping that's in the future. Um, and I also think I, my ultimate goal is that there would be a device or a platform that will allow students to start creating, really using this stuff as well. It sounds like you're trying to create a very inclusive community, not just Alexa only, but meeting their parents and the students where they are to make sure. it more accessible. Mm -hmm. If people want to follow along with Julie Daniel Davis or Chattanooga Christian Schools or any other work that you're doing, how would you say is the best way for them to either contact you or to follow the story? Sure. I, um, I have a flash briefing that I do weekly called Voice in Education that you can enable that helps educators understand how to use it in the classroom. You can also go to www.juliedavisedu, and I have some infographics and things like that to help you start this process. I can be reached at juliedavisedu at gmail.com, and I'm very active on Twitter, juliedavisedu. Do you have any last words that you can send the listeners off with? Any words of advice or a final quote? Yeah, I, I would just say I believe wholeheartedly that this is the next paradigm and it's going to impact education. And you can either be on the back side of it or the front side of it. And I think it's important that educators are always on the front side so that we can speak into the space instead of letting the space happen to us. Thank you for joining us, Julie. Thank you.